basically, I mean, there are loads of resources online. There are expert organizations like AbilityNet that I work for here in the UK, tech and disability organization. But at the same time, you have, you, you know, you have resources within organizations of all sizes. You have a diverse workforce. You might actually not know quite how diverse they are, depending on how much they've been supported to disclose across all of those protected characteristics, as we call here in the UK, you know, age, gender, sexual orientation, um, disability, race, ethnicity, religion, etc. Yeah. Um, so ask people and they will um, give you really, really valuable feedback. If you have products and services, invite that feedback. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Today, we are going to talk about inclusion, but not just inclusion as most organizations and most people have been talking about it, which is inclusion for, uh, for gender inclusion, inclusion for people uh, with different sexual identities, inclusion for people with, uh, from different races and ethnicities and even backgrounds. Today, we're going to be talking about inclusion that is truly inclusive, meaning inclusion that includes people who live or experience a disability. And we're going to have this conversation with Robin, who not only is an expert uh, in this topic, he is a, a leading global accessibility expert. He has been recognized globally, and including the Queen's New Year Honor list. Uh, he's also one of the Power 100 list of UK's most influential, pe influential people with disability, and also UN's world's top 100 most influential people in digital government. So this is setting us off for a great conversation today about true inclusion. Robin, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Really good. Thank you. And it's an absolute pleasure to have been invited on. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I have mentioned to you offline how much in a very short period of time that you and I have been connected, I think, probably three or four months, how much I have already learned from, from you, whether, whether you meant to teach me something or not, you are teaching me something whenever you are, you know, we have an exchange via email. So I am, I'm very thankful about that. And let me begin here, you know, perhaps Robin sharing a little bit of our, of our own, um, you know, connection experience. Uh, when, when I built the Hacking HR conference that we will have in March of 2022, you know, I built in some tools for panelists to, you know, throw their names into panels and add questions that they wanted to address in the panels. And you sent me an email simply saying a couple of lines saying, Enrique, I'm sorry, but I can't see this spreadsheet. Um, I don't see the cells. I don't see the colors. That was such a wake up call for me uh, because I thought I am, I'm an inclusive leader. I'm an inclusive community builder. And you made me realize that there's much more than needs to be done that I thought I was actually uh, doing. And that was a great experience for me. And I want to now turn that into a question. How do you help leaders, help professionals become more aware about, about true inclusion? In our case, it happens, it happened randomly because you and I connected and you, you know, you called me out for that. But how do we build this to become more intentional and organic within an organization? Wow, that is such a broad question. But basically, I mean, there are loads of resources 
online. There are expert organizations like AbilityNet that I work for here in the UK, tech and disability organization. But at the same time, you have, you, you know, you have resources within organizations of all sizes. You have a diverse workforce. You might actually not know quite how diverse they are, depending on how much they've been supported to disclose across all of those protected characteristics, as we call here in the UK, you know, age, gender, sexual orientation, um, disability, race, ethnicity, religion, etc. Yeah. Um, so ask people and they will um, give you really, really valuable feedback. If you have products and services, invite that feedback and don't do it. You know, for example, a lot of websites have an accessibility link, but it's right at the bottom in like <laughs> nine point footer size text right down at the bottom there. If you think about your audience, that's not the best signposting for them. Uh, if you've got a kind of a contact us page, which is usually right at the top, you know, make sure that somebody doesn't have to plow through 55 dynamic FAQs to be able to expose the, the contact us help, you know, form. Um, and certainly don't put a capture image or challenge on that uh, because that causes massive issues for people with a range of impairments. So, you know, garner feedback, make sure that you, um, you know, welcome feedback and and, and really uh learn from that as you did straight away but i would also say that don't panic you know don't think that you only you can only put something out when it's 100 accessible or you know that you've done massive amounts of research and diverse user testing valuable as that is because you know we're all on a journey um in the case of the you know spreadsheet that you had on offer it wasn't a poor choice by any means but it certainly wasn't my you know an easy way for me to get that data to you so just the you know offer an alternative channel so you know if you're putting a an event together and you're you know getting data from a lot of people speakers attendees registration registrations etc just have that um signposted on that process in that email you know if you've got any access requirements just let us know it can be as simple as that and then Obviously, you need to have a plan when people do come back. And that plan might be as simple as saying, well, you know, let me know your preferences by reply in this email, for example, rather than having to navigate to a particular cell or group of cells in a spreadsheet that are color coded. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people would have a challenge with that. But for 95 percent of the people or even 99 percent, it's absolutely fine. So we're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater here, guys. Um, it's all about asking and listening. And if you want to leverage the expertise of organizations like AbilityNet, there are others in the States and everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, ideally, you know, end user driven organizations, we would call them coalface organizations. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, but no. you know, working with disabled people every day. Yeah. Um, have I mentioned I'm blind? I don't know. Yeah. So you, that's my you, impairment. You that was the issue yeah. that we had for me. Yep. You, you have you, you hadn't mentioned it but uh, thank you for bringing that up and I think uh, when I, when when we talked at the beginning about um, about the sales in this spreadsheet again you know I, I appreciate that you are very polite in telling me that um, it was in no ways a, um, a bad a tool it's just that it wasn't an inclusive tool uh, or inclusive enough uh, for for everybody I know Robin I know you're very big on data and I want to ask you, uh, something about workplaces becoming more inclusive for people with disabilities. And, you know, offline before this podcast, we were chatting about uh, the question that comes up all the time, which is how much it is going to cost me 
is it going to cause this organization to become more accessible for people who live or experience you know, any kind of disability? And your response was, here's the data to show you that your financial gains will you know, be so much bigger than whatever cost you have to, uh, you know, to incur uh, in that end. So can you tell us more about data in terms of performance, in terms of commitment, loyalty, all of these things that you talked about with me offline uh, when, when it comes to in, um, bringing people with disabilities to the workplace? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I won't talk numbers here because, you know, it depends on the sector, et cetera. Um, but definitely there's been some brilliant research over here in the UK government department, the health and safety executive HSE, who are, um, you know, all about making sure that people are safe in the workplace, that they're, um, you know, supported, etc. And the research is very clear. People with disabilities are as productive as their able-bodied uh, colleagues given the right adjustments um, over here we call them adjustments you call them uh, accommodations and they can often be very free you know at very low cost or free and we can come on to that in a second but um and they are they take less sick leave than their able-bodied colleagues you know that they are kind of tenacious they they'll push through and i don't know if that's a good thing but you know with a lot <laughs> of working from home and we can talk about that you know at least they'll keep their sniffles to themselves but um and they uh, stay longer in their jobs. They are more loyal because they appreciate a supportive employer. So, you know, that's that's really, really useful. Not only that, um, a more diverse, the more diverse the workforce is, the more productive it is. And generally speaking, the happier it is. And there's lots of, you know, your organizations should be having those kind of employee uh, questionnaires, surveys, et cetera, to be able to monitor well-being amongst other things. And you know all the numbers go in the right direction. The more diverse the workforce is, not only that, going down onto the team level, if there is someone with a disability, if it's a more diverse work uh, team, then they are happier as well, and the whole team takes less sick leave and is more productive, etc. So you know there are so many reasons why, um, given the often very reasonable costs or no cost at all to the adjustments you are going to be having a much more diverse, happier and uh, more productive workforce. Think about the costs of um, staff turnover. Yeah. Think about the costs of medical retirement, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars or something um, that can be that could often have been avoided by addressing an issue earlier on with a very reasonable accommodation. So, yeah, it's very compelling um, talking about the adjustments. So honestly, it could be as simple as just tweaking the double click speed of your mouse, you know, that yeah. will make someone more productive. Um, giving them a wrist rest, if they're at kind of early stages of wrist pain, that can prevent huge amount of issues down the line. You know, changing the, the background color from white to beige can help with eye strain on a Friday afternoon. Cranking the backlight setting on your keyboard up a tiny bit can really help. And if you need to go that extra, you know, stage, then you can get high-vis keyboard stickers, which really will pop and help those people. Those are just a few, but it could be just bumping your um, start time from nine till 9.30 yeah. each morning. So, you know, that's a very reasonable accommodation for somebody with a, an impairment or caring responsibilities, etc. Flexible working is a thing, and it's something that employers should be embracing these days. Yeah. And I think we've got COVID to thank for that, along with with some of the um, opportunities, but also challenges that home working provides too. Yeah, absolutely, Robin. Let me ask you, you know, we're getting closer to the end of our uh, fascinating, but too short of a chat. 
um, but I want to ask you one last question to to wrap up our conversation. You know, you you mentioned before when we were chatting offline, and now this very it sounds so simple, but I have I would have never thought about this. You know, the the speed of the double click of the mouse. Um, the reason why I'm bringing that one specific idea up, up forward is because you have shared some others, but there are some some of these actions that either cost zero uh, or cost very little, but you have to know that you have that you can take that action and that it has a meaning for somebody who has a disability for which for whom this one action will have a positive impact. How do you get to know about these things? How do you get to know that reducing the speed of the double click of the mouse will have a positive impact with somebody with a disability? We would encourage everybody to have a look at the accessibility settings of all their devices. 10, 15 years ago, IT wanted to lock everything down. They wanted an easy life and then BYOD <laughs> happened and, uh, you know, kind of the diversity um, agenda came along. Thankfully, that isn't the case anymore. Or yeah. if it is in your organization, you need to make sure that there is an escalation path so that you can say, look, guys, I need to be able to tweak something yeah. because we we're all different shapes and sizes. We've been talking about disability, but we're all um, on that spectrum, shall we say, you know, and sometimes we slide up and down it, particularly with mobile, because juggling your phone one handed or using it on a sunny day, you know, for those minutes or seconds, you're temporarily impaired, just like someone with a motor or vision impairment. So, you know, we all need to play. Look at uh, in iOS, um, Apple has brought the brilliant accessibility settings out from under general to the top level saying, guys, have an explore, have a play. If you did a spider diagram of all the settings in the iOS uh, operating system, over 60% yeah. will be from the accessibility section. So we ignore this at our peril. So please have a play. If you want uh, more you know, expert input uh, about a specific case or about how your organization in general can handle uh, adjustments or accommodations, then abilitynet.org.uk. Fantastic. Robin, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Um, this conversation went by so, so quickly. I think we're going to have to do it again because there are, um, I, you know, I, I feel that this is one of the conversations that most people want to have. It's just that they don't know how to, how to, how to begin the conversation. They may feel those who have a disability, a visible or invisible disability, those may feel that uh, fear of bringing it up. And those who not, who don't, may not even know how to address it and therefore they stop themselves from actually having the conversation and therefore taking action from there. So I'm hoping that we can continue having this, this conversation, uh, Robin, but for now, I truly appreciate you having shared all of these great insights with me and the Hacking Nature community. So thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Enjoy the conference, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.